Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short controlled bursts. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Pete the Retailer. And today we're discussing Minute 5555 of Aliens. It starts with uh, Apone ordering Hicks to watch their tails and ends with Ripley not knowing what that is. What is she looking at? She what is know. she looking at? I don't know. I think we're probably going to talk about that today at length. Yeah, and uh, Pete, yeah, thanks, man. It's Friday. Thanks for coming on the show all week. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's fun to do this. Like I said, I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm on hiatus. So, uh, um, you know, can't get away. The the yeah. podcast siren song is calling me. Oh, oh trust me. I, I, I know the feeling of not being able to get away from the podcast uh, world. <laughs> it's it's coming down on me at all times these days. So, but it's great, guys. Don't don't take me wrong. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, speaking of not being able to get away from the podcast siren song, we've got a guest today, and it's uh, Mr. Matt Gorley. Hey, Matt. They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, guys. Hi, how you doing? We're going to need you to save that for Godfather 3 minute, uh, please. <laughs> or if somebody does a Sopranos minute, I guess it would work for that, too. <laughs> how are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. I'm, I really appreciate you coming on. I, I told Pete, Pete suggested that you come on the show. I was like, well, yeah, um, I believe Matt Gorley is the preeminent Aliens fan. Like, is there, do you think there's a bigger, uh, at least more prominent Aliens fan out there than Matt Gorley? I don't think oh, so. There must be. I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's been bestowed on me. I don't know that I've earned it, though. I do. I just truly love this film. And, and I think that's like the connection of having covered a few times on my I Was There Too podcast and then being associated, of course, with H.R. Giger and stuff. So it's coming at me from both sides. Right. right. Well, I don't mean I don't mean to come at you from another side on that, but um, <laughs> it is it is pretty hard to uh, to divorce you from it. Yeah. I mean, having actually talked to multiple cast members and so on. Yeah. I mean, I, it's amazing how often you come up on our like our Facebook page where people will dispute something I've said on the show and I'll actually uh, do the Marshall McLuhan moment <laughs> sort of where I'm like, well, actually Matt, Matt Gorley had Janet, uh, Jeanette Goldstein said this on Matt Gorley's show. So you're wrong about that. You know, so <laughs> it's come up a couple of times. You definitely have come up a couple of times on our Facebook page. So thanks for bringing the information. Oh, thank you. It's funny how that happens where like you have someone on your show and they talk about some little factoid about the film and stuff. And that sort of becomes like, imdb trivia gospel but you know and putting Jeanette aside because i believe her stuff completely but sometimes i think some of the people on the films don't always have the accurate information and because i did an episode with five of the different passengers on the bus from speed and it was like a weird 90s movie rashomon action account of it and they had differing accounts and stuff so you never know exactly what's true and what's not and i feel like ah who cares let's just give me some legend either way you know yeah 
Yeah, print, you're printing the legend from you know four or five different people. That's yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Like all the stories are interesting, and obviously the concept of of authenticity of memory is interesting on its own. So. Yeah, it doesn't, you know, who knows and kind of who cares what the actual story was. <laughs> right. What really yeah. happened. I'm, yeah, I'm the biggest fan of actual journalism, but as far as movies go, it's more about the fun. And yeah, like you said, printing the legend. For sure. All right. Well, should we just jump right in here? We're right in the middle of some action. So I guess we could also just jump right into the action and uh, talk about we got Apone leading the squad down. I guess they're going down to level three. They're on level one, but as we can tell by those giant numbers that are in the background there. Um, the first thing I really, I wanted to point out, um, you know, I guess we could go back to the Marines if we want to talk about the Marines a little bit, but there's a nice cut here. I think an informative cut, something that's sort of fortifying an idea that we've been getting prior to this minute. And that's, we have a on the scene with the Marines barking orders um, in his very competent way. We, we trust a right? We, we, we feel like he knows what he's doing and, and all the Marines will follow him anywhere. And then we get an immediate cut to video screens, right? I think this is a nice little juxtaposition between the leadership qualities and competency of Apone versus Gorman, if you get my drift. We're fortifying this idea that I've sort of, I've been referring to Gorman as this gamer commandant, right? He's more of a guy who was brought up on video games and he knows the rules of, uh, of engagement, but he never actually engages. Yeah, it also is that like old men on a mission military trope of you have your officer who's green and a rookie and your non-commissioned officer who's been in the field and is grizzled and knows all the real stuff that matters. Like, And I think that's why this film I loved from such an early age right when it came out because it just reminded me of all these World War II films that I had watched as a kid and or even something like Platoon where you've got the lieutenant who outranks everyone but knows nothing and then the real sergeants who know their shit i just love it yeah that's true I, I never thought of the correlation between uh platoon's lieutenant and gorman i don't know why that's never occurred to me before but you're right <laughs> yeah. they're almost identical in a lot of ways i think i like um well i'm trying to think back to platoon i think i like that guy a little bit more he seems more like a good guy he's not as much of a prick as gorman is i don't think now gorman comes around but this this guy yeah gorman is like actively inhibiting yeah. or you know making it difficult for them the other guy was just a little like uh, he would defer to barnes or elias and platoon yeah and, and of course we're talking about two movies with completely different tones so that's much more fitting we have much more cartoonish kind of drawn characters in aliens so we should get a little <laughs> over the top from gorman we need to express yeah. we you know like joe dater when he was on back and i really liked his uh, assessment that you can almost see the black ink lines around the edges of these guys uh we're getting that <laughs> definitely with gorman but of course we don't want that in platoon i i think platoon doesn't win any oscars if uh, if it has that quality to it so yeah right yeah the only thing similar there is their costumes are very similar right. the military right. helmets and everything and i th i'm pretty sure they both had uh, nes games <laughs> speaking of video games Wait, what? Did Platoon have an NES game? Platoon definitely did. I'm trying to remember if, if I don't remember right. that. Oh my god! Please, please tell me that like, the 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 load screen was Willem Dafoe in that Jesus pose. I it really... had to be. Yeah, yeah it had to be. <laughs> that uh, seems pretty uh, heavy for an NES game, but all right. These movies came out around the same time, and I think I was obsessed with both. I saw Platoon something like eight times in the theater, and I was underage. My mom would just let me go. I 
loved that movie so much. And then this one too, just they, what year was platoon? 86, 86. It won the Oscar in 86. So they came out really close to each other. I'm going to guess, I mean, thinking about our present day release structure, I'm guessing that platoon came out in Oscar season, you know, fall, winter, something like that. But I might be wrong about that, but they came out really, they were just definitely produced at the same time, probably very, very close to each other. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Well, so also speaking of video games, I've 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 said this for a couple of years that with all the the way that, you know, we have all these kind of, uh, you know, video games that that certainly take a lot from this, you know, like if you're playing, you know, Halo online with your friends these days, it's it's a lot like, you know, being one of the Colonial Marines and there even, you know, there have been games where you, you know, licensed aliens games where you are that. But um in those games, and this is going to make me sound totally lame, but in those types of games, I always wish that there was an option to basically be Gorman, <laughs> to to be like, like <laughs> aren't you? You are Gorman if you're <laughs> that's playing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> well, seems... no, but they, they put you into kind of you know first person. Like there should be somebody like a uh, you know like a manager, like a. Uh, <laughs> There should be an option to have somebody like when you log in and you're on your you know PlayStation whatever and you go in you just you're just seeing all the screens with everybody on it and you have like this <laughs> overview of saying like okay well you guys can go you know down to level three and follow up with this and I believe they have a name for those people have you ever heard this term in Vietnam it was called a remph a rear echelon <laughs> motherfucker That's... yeah it's it, I'm finding this humorous that Pete you want to play a video game with another layer of video game player. <laughs> Between you and the actual action, you actually want to play the role of a video game player. <laughs> P, I will play a licensed aliens video game and set up like just a Skype or a FaceTime feed of it, and you can get on a headset and then tell oh, me nice. what to do. Oh, there we go. Well, see, home. I'd have to oh, a couple of people to have. We'll do like a Google Hangout, or I'm just watching all of you play until. All right, you guys go left. You guys go. That's not a bad idea. I well, have to- <laughs> you could actually do it in. Uh, Pete, what's the name of the? Uh, there's like that YouTube for video games or l- that live streaming. Twitch. 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 You guys should do a Twitch. Uh, it would be huge. <laughs> people would. So many people would tune in for that. Um, we're not, folks. We're not making yeah. any promises, so no. don't don't hold us to anything that that's going to happen. But I think that's a great idea. You do it, and you have like a, a Ripley and a Newt and a um, Burke. Surrogates for them behind you too. Just. You know, commenting right. over your yeah, shoulder. At some point, I'll just be you. so incompetent uh, guiding this video game that uh, you know, Ella will just step in and take over or something. Yeah. <laughs> Ella could play Ripley, and then your daughter could play Newt. There you go. And then, yeah, just get a buddy over for Burke. Do you just do this with Alien Isolation and just make make it perfectly authentic? I think so. Yep. yep. Okay, guys. I'm in. Once again, Stay this tuned. is not a plan. This is just. <laughs> No, it's a plan. It's going to happen. This is this is all. <laughs> all right. Well, folks, you have something to look forward to. We'll see when this happens. <laughs> what? Well, yeah. So, speaking, stepping back into the the, uh, the the kind of viewing, stepping back into Gorman's shoes for a second. Um, I on the screens when they're looking at the map and kind of following them around. I was wondering if there's any. Uh, you know, we've had some kind of map scenes uh, before, and I, I don't know if you. Um, have talked about this, but uh, I like that the way that some things are labeled and the primary heat exchanger, which is kind of where they're close to where they're headed, um, is in lowercase letters for some reason. Hmm. And I don't know if that, you know, a lot of things are either all caps or, you know, kind of mixed case to, you know, 
capitalized letters, but primary heat exchangers all in lowercase, which looks to me out of place on a on an official map like that. But um, of course, this is the first time I've noticed it because we're going through minute by minute. But yeah, we haven't had that much cartography or font talk on this particular uh, show this season. That, certainly, that kind of stuff was was very prominent on Alien. But yeah, that's that's a good point. I wonder. I mean, it's probably just a production. I don't know if you'd call it a flaw. It's just something in the you know production design where they maybe that's how it could they could get it to fit onto the screen. I don't know. That's that's a good question. Have you guys talked about is this movie kind of the first one where we see soldiers linked up with their own personal cameras and that kind of thing that then just became ubiquitous and everything else and then real life too? Yeah. Is there a movie yeah. before that's handled this before? I can't think of one. Not that I know of. Uh, we've talked about the fact that one of the things we talk about a lot, and we actually did talk about while we were watching, you know, talking about Alien, was how many of the little innovations from Alien James Cameron saw and then wanted to approve upon. You know, anything from the flamethrowers, you know, having a massive flame to him saying, well, it should just have a, you know, blue like welder's flame instead, to the idea of we, us getting that first person video monitor with ash and the away team in alien to having this full fledged way of tracking these soldiers. It's, I don't think there's ever been anything like it before this movie. Um, it very well could be that somebody listening to the show has an idea about that, that, that we don't have, but it's extremely innovative to me. It's certainly the first time I remember seeing it. And you're right. Like talking about video games. I mean, how much, how many video games does this movie inform tons yeah. as well as movies? So, it's extremely, there's so many things that are innovative about this movie, but that's, that might be the number one thing to me. It's such a brilliant device. Uh, the, the plot, the action are so dense that we need these things really to follow. And they do that great moment where we first introduce the idea in the drop ship, where you kind of get the rules of it all within like a two second uh, panning shot. And uh, it's good. It's a very efficient way of, of expressing to the audience what we're going to see and how we're going to see it as the movie progresses. Yeah. Cameron really has a way of introducing new technology without making it seem so crazy and fantastic. Like you see that in some sci-fi movies where you go, all right, that's cool, but come on with this stuff. It's always so integrated into reality that you really don't question it. It just feels like one small step away. And as it turns out, it was, I feel like he gets all his ideas from, you know, like a Wired magazine or back in the day, it was probably Omni or something like that right. and just integrates them all. Yeah, I think he did, you know, spend a lot of time studying these kind of things. He was always so fascinated with technological advancement. And as he was working, you know, working for Corman, working for John Carpenter, whoever it was, he was writing down all these ideas. There's all these early sketches of the loader, for instance, and the drop ships and things that he had ideas for that maybe became more fully fleshed out even in Avatar. But yeah, he was always, he always had these things going in his mind and, you know, you saw a little bit of hints of it in Terminator, then he carried it over to aliens and it just kept going from there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think Omni Magazine was probably definitely on the you know back of the toilet at his house on a regular <laughs> basis. So um, I, it's great. It's my favorite thing about James Cameron. I, I think he had a lot of skills as a filmmaker. I think he had, a, he was a decent writer in the earlier parts of his career. The one thing that has held over into his, you know, now legend status is that he is that technological innovator innovator. And it's my favorite thing about him as a filmmaker. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I don't want to make everything about star Wars, but that also like that it shares that same kind of, you know, 
lived in very you know kind of uh, useful utile uh, sensibility of all this stuff that it's not like you know there's some stuff that is like you know a, a fantastic you know effects innovation thing but it, it it's all very much kind of like looks like it's a real world thing that just happens to be in the movie that you know it's like filmed on location in space basically you know that it has that look of right like, oh, yeah that's you know these guns and these and you know the the you know motion um, detector sensors and the the you know body cams and all this stuff just looks like you know it's it's real world used stuff that just happens you know not without making a spectacle of it it's just like yeah hey, this is the stuff that they use and it literally really was right because like they're wearing those pot helmets of the US military and the guns are like they did in Star Wars they took real guns and just added a bunch of pieces onto them cuz isn't yeah. The smart gun is an M60, I think, and then the pulse rifles are Thompson guns, right? Am I wrong about that? They definitely have Thompson parts. They they were pieced together by Thompson parts. I don't know if they were existing guns with additions added or not, but I do know they have Thompson parts. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot of familiarity to them, for sure. And I remember when our U.S. military went to those Kevlar helmets that have kind of like a swoop down to cover the ears, thinking every time I watched Aliens after that, that... Oh no, it's the first anachronism. <laughs> right. I wasn't really worried, but right. somewhat. So maybe well, this is a throwback for them. You know, they were like kind yeah. of old style. <laughs> yeah, was, that's right. Like how the baseball players went to old uniforms, the military, because we've right. become so corrupt as a society. They're like, let's get back to the good old days of the Reagan <laughs> 80s when America could be trusted. <laughs> um. So they're looking, Gorman and Ripley are are watching, you know, the, the monitors here and, and Newt has come over to join them. Right. I, I don't guess we see her come over there. She kind of just appears in the, in this shot here, this wider shot. And then we get this cut to Newt, this tight close up, as we're getting some of this information from the Marines coming back to Gorman. I, I've never, you know, this requires the minute by minute treatment to really even think about it too much. I think it's a weird shot. It's kind of menacing. <laughs> she kind of has a menace to her in the shot. Did you guys notice that at all or get that feeling as well? No, I'm watching it right now just to check. It's a little bit of that feeling of like, you know, she's seen this before and she's told you so a little bit. That's what you know? that's kind of what I read from it. At first I thought, well, you know, there's I guess there's an idea that if you're watching this movie for the first time, you don't know Newt yet, right? And um I've been you know, I read sometimes through this uh these books by David Thompson, the film critic, and he has a book called the alien uh, quartet. Yeah. The alien quartet. And he just kind of goes through each movie beat by beat and has his little ideas about how he read, read the movie when he saw it. And he had this, this idea and we talked about it a little bit earlier. He has this weird idea that Newt might be bait for the Marines or for anybody who might come along. And that's the reason why she was left to survive. Um, that the how how did she survive and everybody else got taken? This guy's like maybe she was bait. Maybe that they they leave somebody alive and moving around so that when somebody comes to get them uh, to find everyone else, they have somebody to key in on and then they know how to you know the aliens know how to capture them. I'm not buying into that. I'm not saying that. But if you get this little shot of Newt kind of looking over at everybody uh, in this tight close up and the little, like there's a little bit of droning music underneath. I believe it kind of has a menace to it. And I don't know if that was the idea was to try to express this doubt or, or, or feed this doubt into the audience that maybe something was up with her. I'm my reading of it is more 
yours though, Pete, that she's like, guys, I know what's going to happen here. This is kind of a, you're not going to listen to me, but I know you guys are fucked. Uh, that's what I get from it too. So I don't know if uh, Matt, do you have a, Oh no, I had never noticed that before, but I, I think I'm with you when I watch the shot right now, it does look like she's looking at them kind of like to see their reaction of what she's known all along. And yeah, whether it's, you know, I don't know if it's a fully formed, like, wait till you guys learn what I learned, but more of a, just kind of seeing it through their eyes sort of thing. Although as a, as a sort of fan theory, which normally those type of things kind of drive me crazy. Newt as bait is probably one of the more plausible ones. I, I wouldn't go for it either, but that is interesting to think about, even if it's so much like that, whatever the hive mind of the xenomorphs are is either that they're, they know to use her as bait or is she just like a little fish that you would throw back or something like that. And she's too little to eat or something, but then they ate her brother, didn't they? Or they at least. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the kid on the big wheel, you know, yeah, there's there, they took care of a plenty of little fish, I think. So this idea of of it being (laughs) newt, uh, I don't know. It is interesting. We, and we struggled last week when Ripley first entered, uh, newt's lair, we struggled to figure out why the aliens weren't able to get in there. You know, we, we tried to come up with a reason for why this was a safe place for her. And to be honest, I never thought we came to a, a solid conclusion. So this idea that of, of her being bait is interesting to me. It's intriguing. I don't buy it a hundred percent, but I think it, you're right. It is one of the more plausible fan theories you could have about that. Yeah. It's interesting because I think the, the major flaw of any fan theory is that, like this, this movie is not a Kubrick movie. It's it's an action film set in space, and I think it's very clear in its intention. And so, if Cameron really meant for that to happen, I think he would have probably stated it a little bit more. Yeah, probably so. I'll uh, I'm going to take that one. You know, I don't I I love fan theories because partially because they make everybody angry, but also partially because it's <laughs> um, you know, it's not. It's it's pulling out extra context out of you know what might not have necessarily been intentional, but just like uh, you know, adding your own um, kind of layers to you know deriving something new out of it, uh, out of it, a, a piece of art. But I'll, so I'll take that one step further, and I will say, depending on how you know how much intelligence you give the hive mind, if Newt was bait, was Ripley also not bait from Alien? Did they not let her go so she would bring people back? Like we want her to go out and kind of, you know, basically send a distress signal and and say, hey, come help me. So people will come back and we'll have more, you know, we'll be able to get more of the more of her uh, face huggers. But they were trying to kill her the whole time. Yes. Yeah, I think, you know, busted. (laughs) They already have they already have the, you know, egg chamber, the derelict ship and the distress signal in alien, you know, beckoning anyone to come along. So I'm not sure if that particular alien that's on board the Nostromo is is trying to you know keep her alive. But I what I think you know, and I think that we see actually in this very minute, uh, what we have here is a as an uh, advanced version, right, of the alien. Uh, that's kind of what they're all about in a certain way. It's this evolution, this quick, sudden, uh, implausible evolution that they have, where they can you know grow to be these killing machines in a matter of minutes or hours, but they also seem to learn things really fast. And we'll get more of that as the movie goes along too. To me, this might be a different alien in a certain way. If you get, if you get my drift, it's, it's learning more. I mean, we have more people for it to evolve from. And if you're assuming the idea that 
they just stayed inside of these people and then they take on certain characteristics of those people in their DNA. Uh, if that's the way they're learning, then they've learned a lot more uh, by taking over this entire colony of people, right? So maybe this is a new idea for the alien. Maybe uh, it's just now learned, oh, wait, if we leave a, if we leave that little girl here, somebody's going to come along for her and then we'll have something to key in on. I don't know if that really works, but to me, that would be the difference. That was one of the things that I liked about Alien 4 was that sequence where the two xenomorphs turn on the one because yeah. they know his acid will bust them out of there. I mean, it was a weird stretch, but I remember at the time thinking, ooh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think by the time you get to that terrible movie, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, by the time you get to that movie, uh, those kind of ideas, they got to be super advanced, right? I think that was one of the good things they had going for them in that movie was, all right, it's way in the future, and they've actually been messing with these things to see how far they could go with them. That made sense. Other other things in the movie don't make much sense. But yeah, you're right. That's one of the parts that actually works. And it speaks to the idea that these things learn. They learn to maybe turn lights off. They learn uh, where not to go, where to go, what what where the people might be, where the danger might be. So yeah, I mean, to me, if there's, if there's a difference between the alien and alien and the ones and aliens uh, that would cause them to treat Ripley different than they did or Newt different from what they did Ripley, it would be that they've evolved that's it well i'm so i'm going to suggest now that i want to you know i've on our show i've said i want a, a basically a you know a ken burns history of the empire kind of a thing of, of you know have a non-fiction set in the fictional world um and i i think i want that same thing i want like a like a bbc nature documentary about the xenomorph <laughs> maybe a <laughs> like Netflix thing or whatever but you know have a have a you know, nice, you know, Attenborough narrated, just kind of like, you know, oh, here we see the alien, uh, have it, you know, talk about how it lives and how it does its whole thing. And sadly, then you'd have to, now you'd have to talk about David, the android and <laughs> all this stuff from Alien Covenant. And then, uh, yeah, I would rather not explore that further myself, but. <laughs> but if it were like a nature documentary and there would be like the slow motion scene of of like a prolonged chase of a xenomorph trying to hunt down a human on a beach <laughs> oh, yeah. and you're rooting for the poor like what would otherwise be a poor little deer or gazelle or something and then it finally happens and you just have to deal with the circle of life with mm. that kind of earth music and high definition that would be i'd sit down for that on a sunday night <laughs> oh yeah and no that sounds good maybe they could just ignore they we don't know exactly where they came from originally <laughs> yeah, just to like cut the david stuff out yeah because all the other stuff def definitely sounds intriguing yeah if it was just like made before the prometheus and covenant and stuff and it was just an earth documentary exactly see just it's all about setting and time frame i i'm so, kickstarter I can't wait until these start happening Netflix or something, they're, they're going to be gone. I'm going to be like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. We'll just keep that in case you ever get a pitch meeting at, at Fox. You can just right. keep that in your back pocket for the, you know, do you have any other ideas, Pete? <laughs> Question that's going to come. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, well, speaking of the, the you know, the, the lore and the mythology and all that, I think, you know, by the time we get to the end of this minute, you know, it's it's hard to kind of go back and see what you know kind of with fresh eyes you know and uh you know when you see this kind of uh, the tunnel kind of thing structure you know that that uh, that alien very now synonymous with alien kind of look um 
to see it at the time and for Ripley to actually not know what it is, you know, it's, it's tough because we take a lot of alien canon for granted because it's become this kind of rich, you know, in, in large part and thanks to this movie, it's become, you know, this kind of rich universe of stuff. But for, for here, it kind of took me back for a second to be like, oh, well, she doesn't know what that is because she just ran into one of them on her ship for the most part, you know, other than the, you know, the trip down to the, um, to the space jockey ship. But like, this this structure this kind of you know advanced colony structure of of the aliens themselves that you know we now you know now everything just you know that that just instantly reads aliens to me but but for you know looking at it with fresh eyes like well i don't know what that is what is that that's so true and i'm just like started me on a thought chain of how if you take this little scene from aliens and you're looking at that whatever that honeycomb secretion stuff is that they do and you don't know anything about it. And then I think part of why I don't like these continuing movies at all is that they try to explain way too much and then way too vaguely what it is. But then same thing with those Halloween remakes. You're explaining the mystery of Michael Myers or the prequels explaining the mystery of Darth Vader. Has there ever been a successful version of explaining a mystery that wasn't like that was not less than the mystery? Yeah, Does that know. make sense? I, I think it's like I've never seen anything explained that was better than just having the mystery in the first place. Right. I mean, I think I, I could vouch for Rogue One a little bit, but it's not wasn't really a mystery. It was just adding more yeah. information to how and something And I'm with happened. you on that. I think um, that was just nice to see because we knew we got the same result. Nothing crazy right. was revealed. It didn't really yeah. change. It just it kind of added uh, flavor. Yeah, I've got no problem with origin stories, but when you explain like if it, like the key to a character like Vader or the Xenomorphs or Michael Myers is this almost like like unnatural way of killing people you don't know exactly what the motivations are, that's such a compelling thing and then all three have gone on to take that away from them and yeah. it's, it's a shame. Yeah, I am the entire time you guys have been talking, I've been trying to think of something and I can't think of anything. I can't think of any prequel, like mystery. Here's the explanation of the mystery prequel that actually helped the mystery at all. Yeah, I'm thinking there's none. We'll see. Facebook people out there, tell us if you think there is one. Yeah, glad to hear and some mystery ideas. too. Cause like, I can think of Casino Royale for James Bond. I actually really liked how they went back and filled in some of the blanks there. I mean, but it was all pretty much from the novel anyway. So it's not like that. It's not character moments. It's like the core mystery as to why someone evil is doing what they're doing or something. Right. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Fascinating. Humanizing, or maybe not, you know, in the aliens case, humanizing, but kind of adding, adding kind of motivation or impetus behind kind of yeah. what was just, a, you know, because it's a key part of what, like, like you said, it's a key part of what makes it work. You know, what part of the appeal of Star Wars is Darth Vader just being, a bad guy, <laughs> like a, a classic kind of, you know, here's the villain and, and, you know, Michael Myers, same thing. And, and the aliens, it's the, like, Oh, the cool part is this kind of, you know, this, this terrible, horrifying creature. And then here's how we react to that. But when you make it, you kind of flip it and you add, you know, too much to the, uh, no, granted, I haven't seen, uh, um, I can't even remember the name of it. The new alien movie that just came out a couple of months ago. Oh, Covenant. Covenant. Thank you. So I don't. I, I can't. I don't. Can't explain too much of how uh, it explains too much. But I mean, I feel like it's that same thing where it's like, all right, well, you know, if you go and kind of explain the whole story and make it more about the kind of the whys and wherefores of that, then it takes away 
not only does it not make for a, a great movie on its own, but it also takes away from previous movies. Yeah. If you're sitting there with that in your head, you know, thinking like, you know, if you go back and watch the original Star Wars thinking like, oh, there's that kid who was a good pod racer. <laughs> I have that b- the benefit of, of compartmentalization with that stuff, thankfully. It doesn't, I don't ever have anything ruined for me. I can, I don't like anything that came after Aliens, really, as far as the Alien movies go, but they don't affect, those subsequent films don't affect my enjoyment of these movies at all. I never, they never even enter my mind while I'm watching yeah, them. And the same for the prequels, to be honest. I mean, I, for Star Wars, I get a little, there are things about the prequels I'm fine with. Star Wars is kind of different for me, you know, than anything else. I, I don't mind Anakin Skywalker and his story. I, midi-chlorians I could do without, but as far as, the mystery of Darth Vader, eh, I'm okay. I, I can still look at him as this dark, menacing figure in those movies and not really think about the kid all that much. So I'm lucky there. I, I feel bad for people <laughs> that were prequels and things ruin things for them. I, I'm so <laughs> well, glad that's that on that for me. I'm with you, too. I mean, if it really, like, it shouldn't ruin things backwards because you can always just dismiss them on your own. Right. But unfortunately, it doesn't help the movies going forward, which is a bummer. Because I'd love to see some more good alien like stories, but I feel like that mythology is a little bit cracked right now. Well, I think there's two problems. I mean, we've probably talked about this at length already, but I don't remember if we specifically got to this. To me, there's two problems with continuing the Alien franchise. And one is that at the core of Alien, and, and then they play with it well in Aliens and it works, but at the core of Alien is that mystery. It's this very strange, completely... Uh, almost illogical killing machine that's coming after everyone, right? So that's the core, that's the drive of Alien, and that's what made that movie work. And then the second thing that makes the, the, the series work at all is Ripley as a character. As soon as you step away from those two things, I don't see it work, anything working. I, I don't know what it is. The farther you get away from the mystery, obviously the less mystery there is. So it's you're you're going to kind of be fading out the whole time you're making movies. And then Ripley, yeah. I'm fine with Alien 3 to a certain extent because it's Ripley's story and it's the it's the closes her loop. Um, and I don't think a, uh, Alien Resurrection is actually Ripley, so it doesn't really count to me. But to me, that those three movies were all there is, and I don't like the third one that much, but at least I think it's still an Alien movie. But there's not much to the joys, the horror movie joys, or even the action movie joys that we got from Aliens that they're not present there. It's a completely different kind of thing. So, I don't know. To me, it's just as you go along, you have diminishing returns, I guess, just because you're getting away from the core of what made the first movie so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, this is why this is where you end up with kind of Lego sequels where you, you know, you need like an incontinuity reboot of, you know, just fast forward a couple of hundred or thousand years, basically start fresh with the nugget of what made it good. You know, do a yep. new movie. So, new you know new planet new species discovers the aliens and you know they they look human but they're really from a different planet or whatever yeah you'd really have to come up with an angle though that the audience where the audience felt actually surprised or a real sense of dread by the aliens because that's the thing it's gone we know them too well like there's even having seen them in two movies is a bit you're kind of pushing it. The mystery's gone. You just know that what they're about too much. And that first one, if you're watching alien for the very first time, everything's got to be a huge shock and surprise. You've never seen anything like it. So in this movie, they were able in aliens. They were able to at least get that idea across through simple multiplication. (laughs) You have 
this army of aliens that helps some, and then just good old fashioned solid action filmmaking. But you know, without Ripley at the core of this, and without a really good performance and a really good, uh, well drawn character at the center of this, I don't think this movie would really work that well either. So just know too, we just know too much about them. Though once that horror element is gone, I'm not sure. I don't know if there's any way to reboot these things and really have a successful film. But I know yeah. people out there disagree with me. Well, unless you do it, you could have it just be a straightforward horror movie, and you know, people are people keep getting killed. You don't know what's going on, and you don't know who you know. You don't really see the killer, and there's this mysterious people end up dead. And then just you know reveal that the killer is one of the aliens. You know, is you know one of the aliens. <laughs> like uh, yeah. this is like, on Earth in the eighties. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a uh, you know just like the middle of the film and uh, Monty Python's Meaning of Life. A guy just unzips himself and right. the xenomorph steps out. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Camp Crystal Lake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cross everything over. There's those those mashups. Those. Uh, those versus movies we were talking about before we started recording we'd have, we could have jason versus the xenomorph finally i'm, I'm pretty sure dark horse did those at some point <laughs> yeah i bet that's probably been pitched well so we were we talked a little bit about the video um perspective that this idea and we have you know gorman and ripley um looking at what they're seeing, what uh, Apone Hudson and the, and I think we're mainly getting Vasquez. I think her name is the one that's on the screen that we're watching. So we're seeing this now, this like lattice work of, of hive. I always struggle to come up with a good word to describe this stuff, but um, we see this corridor that's been clearly built by the aliens. But like you mentioned earlier, Pete, that this is something they have no idea about. And it's actually something that Ripley doesn't have any idea about. And, I think at first, maybe when you're watching this movie, you go, wait, why doesn't she? And like you said, Pete, oh, well, yeah, she didn't go on the derelict. She didn't see any of that stuff. She's only seen the alien. So this is an interesting, as far as driving the suspense element of this film forward, that we have this moment where we're ahead of everyone quite a bit. And we have this visual concept. It's it's actually a little, maybe a little bit more extravagant than we've seen before, too. It's definitely better lit when we cut over to it. We're getting a little bit more detail. And we have these people that are unbeknownst to them are right in the middle of this thing that we know is, is clearly menacing. Like they're definitely stepping into something here. Well, it also feels like Cameron made a like conscious choice to have all of their alien environment be biological and alien. It still seems like they are really on that Giger thing of some of it being technological too, like little actual like inorganic tubes or something. And in this one, the hive, like the the organic stuff is fading into parts of the like superstructure of the place they're in and it kind of looks biomechanical but i was never quite sure in alien how much of that was organic even the alien itself has like the silver teeth and everything and it felt like biotech horror or something it was very giger but this like really pushes it all the way to the biological i think which is really i think better gross and fascinating And it feels, you know, and then we get Horner undertone has this undertone of like kind of a big music cue. He hasn't had a lot of big music cues uh, up to this part of the movie, Na- mainly in Ripley's nightmare sequence with the with the chestburster uh, false scare that we get earlier in the movie. We have some, but he's been so subtle up to now. But when we cut from, not only is it a nice cut between the video image that's kind of scrambled to this very clear image of it. But we get this this music underneath it, and like you said, it's it might be you know speaking more to uh, how the advanced they are. Maybe the idea is that this is a more 
um, this is a different alien. This alien has taken it a step further. At least visually, we're getting a step further in the in the process of how they manipulate their environment and so on. So, like that might be what you're what you're feeling when you look at this and, and seeing it a little bit differently from Alien. But all of this put together is kind of a really big moment in the movie if you think about it. And it's especially big because we get the moment where Ripley doesn't know something. And I think that's that's got to kind of fill you with dread. You know, you, this is your expert and this is our hero. And yet she goes, I don't know what that is. And that's kind of a big moment in the movie. That's the whole reason why she was there. Yeah. Yeah. Is this the this is the shot, right, where it's a foreground miniature or a matte painting? I think it's a foreground miniature. The top is and then they pan down when you see the whole shot i don't know for sure but that sounds right it's uh, it sounds in keeping with what they've been doing uh for most of the movie and i think actually the only shot where james remar is in it because it's just hicks from the back if i'm not mistaken mm. before he was replaced so th- this this big pan down has kind of like two seminal moments of creating this bigger than life i think it's a foreground miniature and then i think it's james remar in the shot too this is all back from my studies of when I was doing, I was there too. So it's been a while, but I think that's the case. Yeah. I don't know why I had it in my mind that Remar was only in like video footage, like uh, through the video monitors, but um, you would know more. I think that my idea of that might've come from an episode of your show. So I, I don't remember for sure. <laughs> I could totally be wrong. <laughs> Let's see. I've certainly been wrong before. You should add that. In like, fact, I've never seen this film. I was there too, but I could be wrong. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> side title. I was there too, but I was not listening. <laughs> right. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the idea of the foreground miniature to matte painting, there's a lot of that in this movie. The there's a uh, I believe the gateway station is done that way, and the pan um, in in the docking bay of the Salako when we we're kind of panning over into the briefing oh, yeah. is right. done that way. So that would be in keeping. I'm not 100 percent sure that's what's happening oh, yeah. here, but you're probably right. They did that a lot in this movie. I remember even seeing this for the first time, noticing how much rear projection there was, but kind of brilliantly where they, like Cameron had built foreground pieces that were still background to the actors, but they would like, the screen was kind of up against pieces of the actual alien or, or rocks or mounds. And then that would kind of blend seamlessly with the background projection that the actors would act in front of. And it reminded me of something like, have you ever been on that Transformers ride at Universal Studios? Which I know the Transformers movies are what they are, but that ride is incredible the way they integrate like projection and real life stuff in 3D. And it, it's sort of like I, whenever I saw that in the movie, like when the um, dropship crashes, I wanted to play in that environment with the projection running because it just seems so cool, like <laughs> a stage set more than a movie set yeah. in a way. Totally. That, that should be an amusement park thing where you just get kind of you know, you, you can just play around in it and get footage of yourself, you know, running away from exploding things or, you know, like tigers attacking or whatever you need. <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you guys have any other notes for this minute? I don't think so. I think that's everything for me. Well, Matt, I didn't want to uh, get away without giving you a chance to just give any kind of overall thoughts you have on aliens or any ideas you might have. You know, we could cut this from the show if you want. But, uh, you know, at the end of the week, when especially for a one-off guest, I would love to hear if you had any other thoughts or any ideas to uh, to give to our audience. Oh, no, other than I – people often ask me, do you like Alien or Aliens better? And I think I my answer is – 
very much the same as everyone else. I, I don't know how to pick. I probably watch Aliens more. I think it's more a fun movie to watch because I really, I think my favorite trope of any type of film is just people on a mission getting picked off one by one and seeing who's going to make it. And, you know, I think that's why I like Rogue One so much. And um, so I, I think Alien, I'd rather put on like if it's a night movie where you're having a couple friends over and you really want a good intense movie but aliens i could put on any time of the day and really really just enjoy it it is i think it's kind of a perfect movie in that what it sets out to do it does so well it's not like a a godfather or an oscar award-winning film where you know you're looking at all of humanity under this one context but it really delivers in just like fun military scary action that has a visual style that I that's the whole thing with the alien films it's visually I think it's why I love the James Bond films so much they're just amazing to look at and the world that they created never gets old to me I love it so much yeah the the idea of the, you know a world that you want to be in you know not necessarily really be in but when you're watching a film, you like to be in that world. That's mean. That's a big deal to me too. That's kind of where I will fall on. Uh, I like. I maybe like Taxi Driver better than I like Goodfellas, as far as it being a f- like a better film to me. But I'll watch Goodfellas a hundred times before I watch Taxi Driver. You know, it's just like a world that you like to enter and and be in, and people you like to be around. Um, humor you know a little bit more excitement things like that you you tend to pop those in i think aliens definitely works for me on that on that note too uh alien though after doing an entire season of of analyzing alien it's it grew on me i mean i loved i've always loved it's always been one of my favorite movies but i didn't realize how how amazing that movie is and now i've seen it so many more times because i just couldn't stop watching it all the way to the end every time i would look at it to do shows so um, yeah. but you're, you're right. I think I, I'd have to say alien is my favorite between the two, but aliens is just a lot more fun to be in. Yeah. It's for me, it always just depends on the day and, and the xenomorph to me too, is the perfect alien. I don't think there's ever been a better alien. Um, and it stayed with me. I I've told the story before on podcasts, but it, <clears throat> I was forced by my babysitter to watch Halloween. And so I would have these recurring nightmares all my life. And then after I saw alien, I would have the same dream where I was in the house, but instead of Michael Myers coming to get me, it was a xenomorph. And so for an action movie, it wasn't even alien that I saw. It was aliens that did that to me for an action movie to like replace a true horror figure with just some action enemy. I mean, it was, that's really potent and strong. And so it, even though it's definitely an action movie, it really transcends some of those genres, but does it well. I think it's, I, I just love it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, as much as I love, uh, I love both of them, but I feel like I don't, I can't recall ever quoting Alien, but I quote Aliens a lot, so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I don't think I ever quote Alien either. There's, If there's a quotable line, it's because it's so odd in Alien, like Kane's right. son or something, you know, weird that Ash says, and it's like, when are you ever going to say that? Obviously, Aliens is full of uh, day, everyday kind of material that you can use, so for sure. Yeah. All right, well, if that's all we got, um, Matt, you want to tell everybody out there where they can find you online? Uh, sure, I'm just at Matt Gorley, M-A-T-T-G-O-U-R-L-E-Y on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, actually, too, and then uh, I do the I Was There Two podcast where I talk to people who had usually smaller roles in big films than I've handled aliens now i guess three times i had vasquez and frost and 
uh, Newt. And uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah. <laughs> those those guys on, and they were great, fun guests. Right. I recommend all of our listeners to go out and listen to those episodes. It, it, it's a good you know, addendum to our show. You get a lot of information that uh, some stuff that we already talked about because I know it from that show. So, uh, but go out there. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, I was there too, out there online. Find it. Yeah. And thanks for having me. I'm glad it finally worked out. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot for coming on. Man. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. And me, thanks for, you're about to thank me for joining us. I was about <laughs> to thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thanks to Pete for being my co-host all week. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, you want to tell everybody where they can find you online one more time? Yeah, no, it's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, um, go to. I mean, I guess as I've said, my main thing is StarWarsMinute.com, dot com. But uh, since we're on hiatus right now, you could check us out on um, abcdevo.com dot com, where uh, we're going through the works of Devo alphabetically uh, twice a week. And uh, I'm at Pete the Retailer on Twitter. You find me there. And of course, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast, on Twitter at AlienMinutePod. You can come over to our Tee Public page and buy some of our amazing designs of the Marines graffiti that we have t shirts over there, other designs too that are perfectly legal and um, keeping with copyright law. Um, also, you know, we always thank Pete and Alex for, uh, for loaning us the concept of uh, the Minute by Minute podcast, but we also want to uh, tell you to go out to MoviesByMinutes.com and find the what? How many are there, Pete? About 70 these days? Uh, 70 or so shows that you can pick from that are giving the same treatment? Like every day there's, yeah. there's a couple more. Yeah, so... Matt's got a show on there. Matt did uh, the Virgin America safety video. That's right. <laughs> that's right. His you little know, edition. Of course. <laughs> Who hasn't? Yeah, so everyone go out there and listen, uh, listen to that show. It's a, it's a must listen. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Minute 55. We'll see you next week for Minute number 56. All right.